Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Scarb Show. I am your host, Andrew Scarborough. We are live in Salt Lake City, and the current date today is December 11th, 2023. Christmas is just two weeks away. Um, hopefully, you guys are all doing your Christmas shopping and doing your thing and, you know, celebrating this holiday season because you're running out of time here. Christmas is almost here for us. But anyways, let's get into this podcast wherever you may be. Stick around, sit back, relax, and let's go, baby. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Scarf Show. We've had some big, big news over the last week, specifically in the baseball world, Major League Baseball, where we have two new superstars on two new teams via free agency and trade. So we're going to get into those real quick. So let's start off with some trades that happened over the last week as the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox made a very rare in-division rivalry trade. There's only been about, in the history of both of the franchises, about maybe like 10 trades. Could be more, could be less, but not very often do you see these two rival teams, one of the best, if not the best rivalry in baseball, the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees making a trade, but they have made one just in the last week, as the Boston Red Sox traded their starting outfield, red right fielder, I should say, Alex Verdugo, to the New York Yankees for a whopping three or four pitchers, I believe it was. So, what a great trade this was for the Red Sox. I'm a Red Sox fan. Love the Red Sox. Grew up, you know, diehard. But, man, I hated losing Verdugo, man. But like I've been complaining on these podcasts, Red Sox desperately need pitching. We have plenty of good players. So I didn't mind sending one of our my favorite players on the Red Sox, unfortunately, to our New York rival, the Yankees, for a couple of pitchers. So I'll take that trade all day long. Um, like I said, Red Sox really need pitching. They went out and got pitching. This is... This was Craig Breslow, the new GM of the Boston Red Sox, first new move as a GM for the Red Sox, and it was a big one, man, and a gutsy one because, like I said, these two teams don't like each other, and they don't like trading with each other either. So Craig Breslow and Blake Cashman, the New York Yankees GM, finally came together on a trade to send Verdugo to the Yankees for an additional three or four pitchers going back to the Red Sox. Um but I mean, they're not big name play. They're not big name pitchers. But you know, I'll take pitching all day long, especially for the Red Sox who desperately need it. But the Red Sox went out again after trading their starting center fielder away to the New York Yankees. They went and signed, or excuse me, not signed, traded for another superstar caliber. I shouldn't say superstar, but a very good player when he's healthy, a very good power hitter when he is healthy. They went and traded for their new center fielder for the future as the Boston Red Sox went out and acquired outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tyler O'Neill, for I believe it was one or two pitchers, minor league pitchers in return. So we, you know, gave up an outfielder, got four pitchers, and then got our other outfielder and gave up two pitchers. So really the Red Sox in all of these deals ended up with their new starting outfielder in Tyler O'Neill. And they acquired two pitchers. So, great moves by Craig Breslow. I'm loving these moves. I love Tyler O'Neill. 
He's dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years. Um, it, he's been, been kind of hard to stay on the field, but, you know, injuries happen in all sports, and it happens sometimes, and you just get hit with that injury bug for a little bit. But, man, when Tyler O'Neill is healthy, bro, this guy is not only one of the fastest fielders in the league, he can steal bases, he can make highlight plays in the outfield. There's a reason why he plays outfield. He's a speedy outfielder. But when this guy gets a hold of a ball, he can hit home runs like crazy. He can put up smashing numbers, big home run numbers. And I love Tyler O'Neill, man. This guy, um, during training with the St. Louis Cardinals one time, benched over 500 pounds. And he squatted like four something, maybe even more than that. But this guy is jacked. This is a jacked white guy. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, man. <laughs> He's a dog, and I can't wait to see him in a Red Sox uniform as he's going to be pairing in our outfield together with our new team that Craig Breslow is trying to build after the abysmal season by Chamboom, his last year as a Red Sox GM. And he's trying to turn this culture around because, as you know, Boston is a city of champions. They've won the World Series multiple times over the last 20 years. Not only in baseball, but in football and bought in hockey and NBA. Beantown is championship town. So Boston fans don't like when their teams suck. And Craig Breslow is trying to bring that championship mindset back to the Boston Red Sox by acquiring these few key moves um, that I really enjoyed for my Red Sox. But that wasn't the biggest trade to happen over the last week as San Diego Padres superstar Juan Soto has found a new home for himself as well. And speaking of the Yankees, they went out and acquired Juan Soto from the Padres. Right after trading for Alex Verdugo, they went out and got another outfield or outfielder to pair with Alex Verdugo and Aaron Judge in acquiring Juan Soto from the San Diego Padres. And as you know, or if you don't know, Juan Soto for the San Diego Padres has been on the trade block for the last year or so. They signed him, the uh, you know, he was a superstar in Washington for the Washington Nationals. He requested a trade uh, just a couple of years ago. The Padres went and picked him up and traded for him. He was a Padre for about one or two years, and it just wasn't working together with Manny Machado and Fernando T Tatis Jr. There was just too much superstar power on that team. And it was known to be Juan Soto would be the escape goat. He would be the one traded if they were to make a trade for one of their superstars. And it officially became true last week. Uh, as the New York Yankees were one of the teams eyeing Juan Soto for since pretty much last July. Um, right when the trade deadline hit, uh, they were thinking maybe Juan Soto was going to get traded the trade deadline. Trade deadline came and gone, and Juan Soto was still a Padre. But about six months later, Juan Soto has now found his new home with the New York Yankees. And, man, the Yankees gave up a lot. So the trade details of this trade included the New York Yankees acquired outfielder Juan Soto and also outfielder Trent Grisham, who is a solid player. I love Trent Grisham, was one of my favorite players on the Padres. Um, those were the two players that went to New York. And then the Padres acquired lots of pitching, lots of pitching from this trade as the Padres acquired right-handed pitcher Michael King, right-handed pitcher Drew Thorpe, 
right-handed pitcher Johnny Brito, right-handed pitcher Randy Vasquez, and also Kyle for or the catcher for the Yankees, Kyle Higashioka. So five players in exchange for two players as Juan Soto goes to the Yankees and along with Trent Grisham and the Padres get a boatload of pitching. Um, they spent all their money last year, San Diego. They went all in to win a championship and they missed the playoffs. So like I, like I told you, Juan Soto has been the scapegoat for about six months now. They eventually traded him. They are now moving towards possibly replacing their superstar pitcher, Blake Snell, for the San Diego Padres, who is a free agent right now and who is free to sign with any team. So they might lose their top pitcher um, in Blake Snell to another team. So they definitely, when they traded Soto, they loaded up on pitching just in case the Padres do lose their superstar in Blake Snell in free agency here in the upcoming weeks. Um, but this was a great move. I mean, you know, you dumped all that salary too. You paid Juan Soto three, what was like $300 million you gave him. Um, so you got rid of that contract. You're letting the Yankees eat all of that and you're bringing in some young, decent pitching. So this is a win-win for both sides. As you know, the New York Yankees outfield is now loaded as now they have Verdugo, Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and now Trent Grisham with Giancarlo Stanton being the DH of the future up the team pretty much he's outfielder dh so this is a scary looking lineup if you're a new york yankees fan you are dying you know uh it hurts me to say this but you are so i would be so excited if i was a new york yankees fan this year as that is a whole lot of talent on that roster not including all the talent you already had in glaber torres dj lemayhew uh anthony volpe you know the, the players go on and on that New York Yankees offense is loaded. But like I said, it takes a lot more than offensive superstars to win a World Series. And pitching is the biggest thing. If you don't have good pitching, you're not going to win a World Series no matter how many players, how many great players you have on your team. You must also have great pitchers on your team as well. So love that. Crazy trade. You know, that came out of nowhere. I shouldn't say came out of nowhere, but it was definitely a shocker. And the rumors were, you know, coming up over the last couple of days and it officially became official as now Juan Soto is a New York Yankee. But just a couple of days later, um, the Juan Soto news was uh, a thing of the past pretty much to say as one of the biggest players, if not the biggest player in the MLB right now, who is a free agent has now found a new home. And this player, like I mentioned in my previous podcast, was superstar player Shohei Otani for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. As you know, Shohei Otani is the one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters in the league. He can do both. Um, and that's what makes him such a once-in-a-generation type player, that he is he can dominate pitching and also dominate hitting at the same time, which is very tough to do, especially when you're a pro. Um, that's a, like I said, generation type player, um, that you only find once in a generation pretty much. But like I said earlier, Shohei Otani was a, a free agent this year. They weren't sure if the LA angels were going to resign him or if he was going to go back to the LA angels. But unfortunately, LA angel fans, um, if you already don't know, know the news now, Shohei Otani has now found a new home and he is going across the city of LA 
as he is not going back to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, but he is now signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a whopping 10-year contract. Everybody, get ready for this. It's going to blow your mind. 10-year contract worth $700 million. Wow. Holy crap. I mean, you knew Shohei Otani was going to get paid a lot. You knew it was going to be maybe the $400, $500 million range. As you know, the biggest contract right now was also LA Angels superstar Mike Trout, who got paid $430 million just a couple of years ago. And this deal just completely, completely obliterates that $430 million as Shohei Otani will be making an average of $70 million a year over the next 10 years to play baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, goes across town, goes to the L.A. rivals, and Dodger fans are ecstatic. Um, this is going to be one of the best teams in baseball if they do have pitching, as now Shohei Otani joins the L.A. Dodgers along with superstars Mike, uh, excuse me, Mookie Betts, who is now, I mentioned in my pre previous podcast, um, they also have J.D. Martinez, they have Max Muncy, they have also superstar Freddie Freeman, who they brought in a couple of years ago from the Braves. So this is a dangerous lineup, and that's only a couple of players that I mentioned there. This this lineup is stacked. I mean, you got Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux coming back. Um, the L.A. Dodgers are stacked. And if you're a Dodgers fan, you're ecstatic because you just got one of the biggest players Biggest names, if not the biggest name in the MLB on your team now and for the next 10 years possibly. But, wow, $700 million. I couldn't fathom having that much money, especially fathom that much money by playing a sport. I mean, you see these billionaires that, you know, obviously make billions of dollars, but they changed the world somehow. You know, they, they, they helped enhance the world. Like Bill Gates brought in Microsoft and, you know, Apple and all the Apple iPhones and stuff. And that's the biggest thing you see now. Uh, Jeff Bezos brought Amazon, built Amazon, which is the biggest online shopping company in the world right now. Um, you know, so on and so on. But for baseball, this guy's making almost a billion dollars for playing baseball. And that just shows you how much sports, how much revenue sports generates now. That a player can make $700 million dollars playing baseball just shows you how big the sports world is growing, especially the MLB over the last couple of years with the rule changes. They're now getting more popularity, which is bringing in more profits, but still $700 million, $70 million a year. He's going to make an average of $430,000 a game, a game. And there, mind you not, there's 162 games in the MLB season, not including you know, spring training and uh, and the playoffs. So he's going to make an average of four hundred thirty thousand per game. So this see why this contract just blows my mind. I mean, like I said, everyone was expecting five hundred million, and they went out and said, "Screw you! We're out paying everybody. You want Shohei? You're gonna have to pay big because we're gonna give him seven hundred million dollars." And this better work out for the LA Dodgers because this guy is a thirty years old. He's almost he's pushing 30 years old. And once you hit 30 years old, you're considered an old guy in the in, you know in the MLB. You're considered an old player. You're considered pretty much coming out of your prime. You're not you're you're starting to leave your prime. So 
I don't know if Shohei Otani could put up the same numbers he did over the last six years with the LA Angels as he can for the next 10 years with the LA Dodgers because now he's getting into his 30s. He's, you know, when you're 30 in the sport, you're considered an old man. It's it's a young age when you're, you know, a real adult in the real world. But when you're in the sports world, 30 is like you're like 92 years old, pretty much. You're a dinosaur, especially if you hit 40, which when his contract will expire is when he'll be 40 years old, Shohei Otani. You're literally a dinosaur when you hit 40 years old. So the Dodgers have some pressure now. They've paid players. They've spent you know, shitloads of money on on bringing in these players, and they only got one World Series to account for, and that World Series happened during the COVID year. So some people don't really count that World Series as a World Series win. So it's the pressure is definitely on now, especially because you're paying this kind of player this insane, asinine amount of money at $700 million. He better be having the best 10 years of, a, of anyone's career ever. Better than Babe Ruth, better than Hank Aaron, better than Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, he better be the best player to ever step foot in the MLB if you're paying him 10 years at a 30, at 10 years, $700 million at age 30. Just saying. So the pressure is on LA. And yep, like I said, pressure is on. And they outbid everybody. And that was the biggest news, not only in the baseball world, but in the entire sports world. And even in the world in general, because Shohei Otani is, like I said, a generational talent. He's the biggest thing in, you know, America and Asia. I mean, especially in Asia and like Japan and stuff like that. The marketing value the Dodgers are going to make off of Shohei Otani in general, that's going to pay for his contract pretty much. I mean, the market, you're going to see everybody with Otani LA Dodger uniforms here in the next one or two years five years, 10 years. I mean, if he's still around, but that just blew my mind. $700 million is an asinine, insane amount of money. I mean, oh my God, but that's the big news for the MLB that has happened over the last week. Um, as some transactions have happened, you know, big things to come out, but we're going to move on to some other topics now. All right, everybody moving on from the baseball world, we will head to the football world. We're going to mix a little bit of NCAA and NFL things that have happened over the last week. And the biggest news to come out of the football world this last week was in the NCAA. As you know, the big Heisman Trophy, the biggest trophy in all of college football, uh, the best trophy to win. You're solidified number one pick pretty much if you win this trophy. And they just announced the winner just this last Saturday as the Heisman Trophy was up to four candidates, between four candidates this year. Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr., oh, uh, Oregon's quarterback Bo Nix, uh, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, and then also Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. were the four finalists to win the Heisman Trophy. And now we have a new winner of the Heisman Trophy as quarterback for LSU. Jaden Daniels takes home the Heisman Trophy winner this year of 2023. Very much well-deserving. Was very shocking to me over those three other players. I mean, Jane, don't get me wrong. Jane Daniels is a good guy. He's a good player, um, an electric player. I feel like he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, but, man, these other three guys, Penix, you know, leading the Washington Huskies to a 13-0 record and winning the Pac-12 championship, 
Bo Nix doing what Bo Nix was doing in Oregon, setting records and, you know, destroying everybody and looking like a, the best quarterback possibly in this draft. Um, then you had the best wide receiver in years. I should say years, but one of the best wide receiver talents to go into the future of the NFL and Marvin Harrison Jr., who was the best, obvious best wide receiver in all of college football this year. Um, to have Jaden Daniels beat all three of those guys out is just, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and then also there, I feel like there's a curse to this Heisman Trophy winner relating to the NFL. Cause obviously every guy that's, you know, a Heisman finalist is obviously going to play professional football in the NFL. Um, obviously they're all going to be first round picks usually, but it seems like over the last couple of years, the person that has won the Heisman Trophy, their NFL career doesn't correlate to their college career. You know, they struggle in the NFL. I'm not saying all of them, you know, I, there's, there's examples like Lamar Jackson, who has had a great NFL career after winning the Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, Charles Woodson, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, but it seems like these guys that, you know, win the Heisman Trophy, they just don't correlate to the NFL. Their skills, like I said, the college world is a whole different ball game compared to the NFL world. The college world, you're playing against 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds. Those are all kids still. You go straight from college to the NFL, you're going from straight playing 18 to 22 year olds to now playing 18 to 35 year olds. You're playing grown ass adults in the NFL. Everybody's bigger, everybody's stronger, everybody's faster, everybody can play. They're the best players in the world for a reason. And if you're an NFL player, you're whether you're the best NFL player or the worst NFL player, you're the best NFL players in the entire world. And this is what correlates. You think a guy's good in college, and of course he's great in college, but when you start playing against grown adults and grown men and guys that everybody's good, because, you know, college, there's there's the guys that separate from the guys that are going to be working at a desk and the, guy, the guys that will be playing in the NFL professionally. But when you get to the NFL, everybody's good. And that's just the name of the game. So it seems like lately this Heisman curse, almost to say, you know, uh, you just don't see the same play as college and NFL correlate together. You know, some guys that have won the Heisman in the past, like RG3, his career went down the train. Baker Mayfield has had an up and down career over the last couple of years. Um, but like I said, not everybody, because you got Lamar Jackson, you got Joe Burrow, you got all those other guys that have won the Heisman and been great in the NFL. But it seems like more players that win the Heisman do worse in the NFL compared to more players that win the Heisman and do great in the NFL. Because like I said, it's just a whole different ball game. So we'll see how Jaden Daniels' career produces in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a good quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. You know, he's got the freakish ability. If I would compare him, I would say he's like a Lamar Jackson mixed with um, – God, maybe a Tom Brady, even no, actually, let me say his fellow, his fellow former quarterback. Well, I'll say he's a mix of Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow together. That's pretty much what Jaden Daniels is. He can run fast. He can be elusive, but he's also got the arm strength. He's also got the, you know, like Joe Burrow does. He's also got that, you know, big hefty size to him. He's not big, like, you know, weight wise, but like big tall wise, he's six foot four, 220 pounds. 
So I think he's going to be a good quarterback, and that's what you like in good quarterbacks. These short quarterbacks have been just proven over the last couple of years that short quarterbacks, you got to be 6'2 and over in the NFL. You just got to be 6'2 and over. I mean, there's like I said before, there's rarities like, you know, there's examples like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson have made great careers in the NFL, only being five foot eleven. But if you look at most of the short quarterbacks compared to the, you know, big quarterbacks, the big quarterbacks pretty much always prosper in the NFL because they can see over the offensive line. Because you got offensive linemen compared to when you're in college, compared to when you're in NFL. The let's say the college offensive linemen are six foot five, you know, six six. You get to the NFL, college offensive or NFL offensive linemen are six seven, six eight. So when they go up to block, your quarterback's got to be able to see over the offensive line and read your reads and you know be what do what a quarterback does. When you get these short quarterbacks, when your offensive line go up to block and your quarterback's small, he's got to roll out of the pocket. He's got to go. He's got his. He's he's going into dangerous waters instead of staying in the pocket and seeing over the offensive line. Instead, he has to go around his offensive line where he's dangerously in danger to be able to see down the field. And like I said, and it's showing with Bryce Young this year. Um, Bryce Young is just too small. He has to roll out every time he goes around and, you know, chucks the ball. And he can't just sit in the pocket because he's too short. He can't see over his offensive line. And that's the name of the game. So I say when you're a quarterback, you got to be 6'2 and over. And 6'2 is like the minimum, man. I mean, it really is. 6'2 is the minimum. I like my quarterback 6'3, 6'4, 6'5, 6'6, you know, like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady size. Um, but, you know, I think Jane Daniels is going to have a good, going back to what I was saying, I think he's going to have a, uh, you know, a good career. Um, I think he's going to be a solid you know, he'll probably be a backup quarterback for a couple of years because he's projected to go late first round compared to, you know, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix that are all projected early first round quarterbacks. But I think he's going to, you know, develop, learn under somebody. And then you'll see Jaden Daniels here in two or three years and he'll be the starting quarterback for whoever picks him up in April. So, but congratulations to Jaden Daniels. Don't get me wrong. Winning the Heisman is one of the biggest football accomplishments you could ever do in your career besides winning the Super Bowl and respect to all him. He very much well deserved it. So like I said, congratulations to him, but hopefully that Heisman curse that I mentioned earlier doesn't catch up with Jaden Daniels because I hate when these Heisman guys win and they just don't correlate to the NFL, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. The future awaits, you know, the future awaits. All right, and other football news that has happened over the last week or so. Um, In the NCAA world, as you know, there's not only just the Heisman Award, but many awards you can win as a college football player. And one of the biggest awards to come out besides the Heisman is the Paul Hornrug Award. Um, This is for college's most versatile player, Um, like, you know, most elusive, most, you know, fancy, shiny. Um, This is for college's most versatile player. And the winner of the Paul Hornrug Award belongs to wide receiver for the Colorado Buffaloes under head coach Deion Sanders. Travis Hunter has won the Paul Hornrug Award for college's most versatile player and very much well-deserving for Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter is a dog. He's a future first-round pick. Duke can play both sides of the ball. He can play wide receiver and be a defensive back as well. Um, and is very versatile and very good on both sides of the ball. 
And that's what is just increasing his draft stock. And you watch him on game day, game days under head coach, Coach Prime for the Colorado Buffaloes. The dude is all over the field. Um, I remember watching him against the Utes just a couple of weeks ago. Guy was everywhere. Guy scored most of their touchdowns against the Utes for the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, dude puts up numbers every day. He's Shadur Sanders' favorite target, you know, on offense. Um, and I'm sure he'll be somebody's favorite target in the NFL very soon here in the next one or two years whenever he declares for the draft. But very much well-deserving for Travis Hunter as he is one of the biggest names in college football and is very much well-deserves the most versatile player in college football as well. And then in other news, as you guys know, the annual Rose Bowl game, Rose Bowl, excuse me, um, is probably the biggest, you know, bowl game um, in college football. It's the most, you know, noticeable. It's the most, you know, memorable Um it's just, yeah, it's the biggest. It's the biggest college bowl game in all of the NCAA. Besides the national championship game, of course, but this is one of the biggest ones that everybody loves to watch every year. Um, so we have our matchup set for the Rose Bowl. The however many years the Rose Bowl has been around, but this year's Rose Bowl will be against number one Michigan Wolverines against number five Alabama University and they will be playing on January 1st at 3 p.m. So the new year will bring on some new champions in the Rose Bowl January 1st. Make sure on New Year's Day you guys turn your TVs on at 3 p.m. and make sure to watch this game because this is going to be an electric game. As you know, Coach Harbaugh for the Michigan Wolverines, number one, you know, they had that cheating scandal in the beginning of the year, but it looks like they've gotten over that hump and looks like they're still kicking ass against, you know, Nick Saban, Alabama. You know, this is just a classic rivalry matchup, classic game. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be probably a very high-scoring game. So one of the best college football games of the year. Make sure you guys tune in to watch the annual Rose Bowl game against Alabama, or excuse me, Michigan against Alabama this year. So make sure you guys tune into that because I for sure will be tuning into that. Okay, and then some transactions that have, or I should say a transaction to happen over the last week as the San Francisco 49ers of the National Football League have a new safety to pair with that already prolific defense that they have as they went and signed, went out and got and signed safety Logan Ryan to a one-year deal. He is now a San Francisco 49er. Logan Ryan has been around the league for many years. As you know, he won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with the Bucks under Tom Brady just a couple of years ago, has bounced around the league. He was most notably a New York Giant for many, many years. Um, still one of the best safeties. I shouldn't say one of the best safeties, but a very good safety still. Even at his older age, he brings that veteran presence, brings that veteran status to a still a young, you know, San Francisco 49ers defense, because a lot of these guys are still pretty young on that defense. Bosa's still young. Fred Warner's still young. I know these guys have been in the league for a minute now, but if you really look at their age, they're still young guys, man. You got Javon Kinlaw. I mean, the list goes on and on with this defense. Hafunga, um, that's the reason they kind of went out and signed Logan Ryan, because Talona Hafunga, their other superstar safety that they have for the Niners, is out for the rest of the year after suffering an injury. 
uh, last week or two weeks ago, I believe. So he's done for the year. So they went out and signed a veteran presence in Logan Ryan. So this is a great addition to an already very good, very good San Francisco 49ers defense and probably the best team in the NFL that is probably going to win the Super Bowl because they are just steamrolling through every team they play. Brock Purdy has been on a whole nother level compared to last year, and they're looking like the favorites, man. Christian McCaffrey is a dog. He's been the best running back in the league all year. And like I said, that offense and defense, especially the defense, is just prolific. So they add a very good piece to that. And like I said, I could see the Niners being your Super Bowl favorites this year. All right, we are moving towards the end of our podcast. This is going to be the last quick topics. That are some news that came out, just some quick things that have happened over the last week that I also wanted to get in on this podcast real quick. So some other news that have happened. The NBA had their in-season tournament this year, the first year um, that the NBA has tried it. You know, I guess it was very popular. I didn't really understand it. I didn't really, you know, care for it too much. But that went along, you know, teams were winning. And we got our final matchup. Um, the, you know, the final match, I believe if you win this in-season tournament, you win like $500,000 or something like that. Um, but the finals matchup was between the Indiana Pacers and the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Los Angeles Lakers ended up winning and are now the first ever end-season NBA tournament champions. Of course, LeBron is LeBron, and he goes out and wins everything, man, whether it's rings, whether it's MVPs, whether it's scoring records, whether it's end-season tournament, you know, shit like that. Uh, <laughs> but it's LeBron, man. I mean, he led the Lakers to the in-season tournament champion. Pairing with Anthony Davis, you know, the Pacers put up a really good fight, but we obviously saw who was the best team in this tournament, and that ended up being the Los Angeles Lakers, and good old LeBron wins something again, man. So glad to see um, the Lakers. I shouldn't say glad to see because I'm a Jazz fan, but, you know, you know, LeBron solidifying his legacy even more with this win. So it's good to see that, you know, LeBron's winking accolades and that they won, you know, and Anthony Davis is supposedly back, you know, after all those injuries been having over the last couple of years. He's having one of his best years since he played on the Pelicans. Um, Anthony Davis has been on a tear, so always credit to him as well. But LeBron's the king. He will always be the king. As long as he's in the NBA, he will always be the king. And it proves that, you know, he still is the king by winning this NBA NBA in-season tournament championship, the first ever. Um, but now we're moving on to back to regular season games. I mean, every game counted, but now we're moving on to normal regular season basketball until we see the playoffs and here in the early summer. Um, but, you know, we can move on. But congratulations to the LA Lakers for winning the first ever in-season tournament. All right. And then any anything else? Um, golf world, you know, the golf world comes up every once in a while in this podcast and one of the biggest things to happen um in the golf world as you know the pga and live golf are the two biggest golf companies in the world two biggest golf leagues in the world as you know pga is you know the biggest in america and then you got live golf who is you know the biggest in you know what do you call it? asia you know they're saudi arabia and stuff like that um it's it's located in like saudi arabia is or originated in Saudi Arabia. Um, but, you know, players from the PGA and Live Golf are, you know, deciding which way they want to go and, you know, which league they want to join. 
and a new golfer has now switched from the PGA to Live Golf, and he will be joining Live Golf as it is one of the best golfers in the world, and his name is John Rom. He is leaving the PGA for Live Golf for a whopping potential $600 million contract to leave the PGA and go to Live Golf. So if you already knew, Otani's contract was an asinine amount of money. $600 million isn't quite far from that, especially playing golf and hitting a golf ball into a hole for a living, getting paid a half a billion dollars, potentially um, even more, $600 million potentially earnings. Um, and, you know, it's – I don't blame John Ron, man. Go get your money, especially when they got to offer you a half a billion dollars. You got to chase the bag, bro. So I don't blame him leaving from one of the biggest, you know, if not the biggest company in the world, or I should say not in the world, but in the United States for one of the biggest co companies in the world um, in Live Golf for $600 million. So boy's chasing a bag, man. He is, he is chasing a bag, and I don't blame him one bit. So you're going to start seeing more golfers go to Live Golf if they start paying these guys more and more money. And, you know, Live Golf has this controversies. Um, the re they kind of say that they're getting all this money from dirty money, you know, dirty kind of, you know, just look it up, you know, if you don't know too much about it. But Live Golf is kind of perceived as dirty money um, as they got lots of it. You know, you know, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and all those areas are it's all oil money. So they got a lot of money um and they can pay whatever they want for top golfers so you're going to start seeing more golfers probably leave from the pga to live golf in the next coming years and probably these contracts will just get bigger and bigger possibly because the opportunities are endless and the pay is endless so just yeah it's it's crazy bro it is just wild that athletes make this much money now but that's just how the game goes bro and then lastly back to the baseball world as the Cleveland Guardians will now earn or have earned the number one overall pick in next year's MLB draft here in about June. Um, Cleveland Guardians, they have a good team. You know, Jose Ramirez is a dog. I'm surprised they got the number one pick. I mean, they're not a great team, but, you know, they, they, they're not a horrible team. You know, they got some decent players and Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez and, um, Who's the guy? Naylor. Naylor, the other guy they got. But, yeah. But I guess they're going to get the number one overall pick over these other really bad teams that have, you know, it was a, it was a very – it was a shock for sure to see the Guardians get number one overall over these really bad teams, especially the Oakland A's, um, who are the worst team in baseball, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, yeah, it was crazy to see. But the Guardians will have the number one overall pick here in June's draft in the MLB draft because – the MLB draft is unlike other drafts in sports. The MLB draft happens in the middle of the season compared to other sports where it happens in the offseason, like the NFL draft and the NBA draft. Um, but the MLB draft happens in the middle of baseball. So, But you don't see any guys. These guys that get drafted in the MLB, you won't see them for four years because they, you know, they develop them through the minors. And then you'll see them four years later in the MLB if they're, if they're good enough, you know. So it, it doesn't really – it's not as big as, you know, of course, the NFL draft and the NBA draft, but it's it's important. You know, this is where teams build their future World Series rosters, and getting the number one overall pick sure does help those odds. So congratulations, the Guardians. I guess they deserve the number one pick. 
All right, everybody, we're moving towards the end of this podcast. Thank you guys again for sticking around and tuning in. That was a lot of, you know, news to cover over the last week. But thank you guys for tuning in and listening as always. But before we end this podcast, we're going to do our annual fun fact of the day. So the fun fact of the day for December 11th, 2023 is Earth's rotation is changing speed. And you would think the Earth is, you know, speeding up potentially, but it's actually slowing. Um, This means that on average, the length of a day increases by around 1.8 seconds per century. And just 600 million years ago, a day lasted only just 21 hours. So about when the dinosaurs existed, um, till now, till evolution in present day, we have gone three hours more. The earth has slowed down by three more hours. I don't know if the earth is still around in another 600 million years, but we could see 27 hour days. Um, But that's that's kind of crazy to think of, bro, that the earth is actually slowing down. Because the Earth, you know, 24 hours, really, if you think about it, isn't that many hours. And it's, you know, it's crazy how fast they can move around the sun in just 24 hours. So, but I guess it's slowing down. So we could see, you know, compared to 600 million years ago, 21 hours to now 24 hours, kind of mind boggling stuff. So, yeah, crazy to think. Outer space is weird, you know. Yeah, but that's <laughs> maybe not as weird as the ocean, but it's, it's definitely interesting and weird. But thank you, guys for tuning in and sticking around like i said before um hope you guys enjoyed that fun fact of the day and of course if you are liking the scarf show make sure to tell your friends and family or your local sports fanatic who enjoys uh listening to sports make sure you follow my instagram pod or podcast for my instagram or excuse me my instagram podcast account at the scarf show on instagram make sure you guys share and follow Make sure you guys listen to wherever you may be listening and tell all you people like what platforms we're on. We're on many platforms. So yeah, make sure you just get the word out there. But anyways, thank you guys for sticking in and tuning in. This has been The Scarb Show. We are live from Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Andrew Scarborough, and we will see you guys next week.